0: Well, good morning, good morning, such a joy to be here together, especially exciting for me because I can actually read my notes. (laughs) Being outside with this iPad is pretty hard to see your notes, if you've been wondering. But uh, we are so blessed to be able to be in here and be together, and those of you that are joining us online, thank you, we love you, and we can't wait to meet you and hug your neck, and uh, we're just uh, grateful to be able to serve the Lord and be in church today I'm especially uh, glad because uh, I have so enjoyed coming through this uh, series on faithfulness and uh, on this, our last uh, message on this particular topic. Today, the merit of faithfulness. What can we expect? What sort of merit, if we would like that, if we want uh, a reward? Um, What is that all about? And One of the greatest passages, perhaps the most well-known passage, in fact, Perhaps the most well known verse about faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so, if we want to hear that someday, what would be required of us? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Not long after the classic and reliable King James Version was given to us at great expense in 1611 by the King of England, James theologians from the king from the uh, church of england met together they met together to kind of uh, make sure that uh, all the uh, bible believing churches were on the same page and back then the uh, the church of england the episcopalian church uh, really uh, had a very for the most part had a very fundamental uh, idea about scripture they came together and met uh, and uh, had a uh, They went over the different tenets of Bible doctrine and formed what was known as the Westminster Catechism. For those of you who've ever been in a Lutheran church or a Presbyterian church, typically not used much in a Baptist church, but the Westminster Catechism actually is a wonderful statement of doctrine. One of the things they come to, and the end of the whole thing, and the most simple Uh, Let's boil this thing down to what this is all about. What's the purpose of the Bible? What's the purpose of mankind? And uh, you have probably heard this statement, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is the summary of the Westminster Catechism. John Piper, great, uh, well-known Baptist pastor, uh, amazing author, uh, suggested that we might Uh, correct it uh, to say it this way. The chief end of man was to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And I think that's really uh, comes to what we're talking about. Let's strip away everything for just a moment, all the trappings of Christianity, all the things that we do, the singing, you know, the praising, the praying. Let's just strip away everything, and let's come down to what is really the chief end of what we're doing. And that would simply be to faithfully serve the Lord with gladness. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. That's what we're here to do. We are to faithfully serve the Lord with that gladness, and that is the chief end of man. What a privilege to glorify God. And when Jesus returns, those with that kind of a mindset will hear those blessed words, "'Well done, thou good and faithful servant.'" For some of you, you have a a degree and you might have a bachelor degree or some maybe even uh, have a MD or a PhD, but the one that we all want for sure is to have a WD. I want that well done degree when the Lord comes back. Well, I just have to share this uh, story with you because being the last uh, message, I, uh, I just knew this would be the right time to share it. I read this week about a dog. Who had his tail cut off. Poor dog. They buried the dog's tail. And thought they were done with that tail. But the dog found it and dug it up. He brought it back in his mouth to his master. They were horrified. So they took it away from him. And buried it even deeper. As you might imagine. That dog found his tail and brought it back. That dog did that. Three different times in a row. Why did that dog do that? because he was faithful to the end. (laughs) There you go. Now, I know that's a groaner, but I had to have it. I had to do it on this Sunday. This is the last Sunday he was faithful to his end, or to the end. All right. And are you faithful to the end? I hope you are. Let's all bow for prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, the truth is, uh, we've got to laugh sometimes or we'll cry, Lord, because uh, the, the state of this world, the state of our country. Lord, I just pray that we will be faithful to your word and faithful to truth. Bless this faithful church. Thank you for them, Lord, being willing to get up on Sunday morning and take the energy and everything just to come here and join together. Bless us for doing so. In Jesus' name, amen. Since this is the final message, let's do a little bit of review for a moment. Uh, We entitled each one with an M just to kind of keep us uh, on the uh, interest there. And The first one was the model of faithfulness. Who is, of course, the great model of faithfulness? That's our God, and specifically our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do we know God is faithful? Because He keeps His promises. He does not lie about anything. He is a faithful creator. He always forgives. He is a sympathetic high priest and he has never abandoned his people. He is faithful. The meaning of faithfulness and that is simply loyalty. Loyalty to the truth over anything else. Loyalty to our duties and diligent in our duties and to the name of God, a reverence for his name. We talked about the mandate of Faithfulness, and that is that we would be found faithful, and we are going to be found out. And we're going to be found whether to be faithful or not. And then we looked at the means of faithfulness. Prayer helps us stay faithful. The word of God helps us stay faithful. A commitment to uh, faith over fear. Uh, fearful people can't be faithful because they'll they'll veer, but when we're fearless, Because we just want to be obedient, then we can be a faithful person. We talked about how that uh, it is a fruit of the Spirit. In that great passage in Galatians chapter 5, God says the fruit of the Spirit is faith. And the word actually there is faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to be trustworthy, reliable, loyal, just keep moving on. And then we talked about uh, those wonderful churches, the church at Smyrna, the church at Philadelphia, who were faithful to the end, in fact. And then last Sunday, the what manifests our faithfulness? Perhaps nothing manifests our true faithfulness to God more than our money, and we ought to be faithful. Of course, we might imagine that means tithes and offerings, and it does. But there's more ways to be faithful with the money, making sure that when you count your change, if you if they gave you too much money back, you know, you go back and said, hey, just want to let you know, you know, I. Uh, give it back to them. Or if you find something and it belongs to the store, give it to the people of the store. Or uh, one of our nurses in our church um, was uh, concerned that the money that she pays to her union uh, would go towards a supporting uh, wicked uh, agenda. And unfortunately, the California Nurses Association is just terrible. And they support abortion and very liberal. And uh, she asked that uh, They would do something different with her dues, and they looked at her like, what? Nobody asked for this. And she said, well, could we figure out a way? And she appealed to them, and sure enough, they let her do it. And so uh, her fees goes towards the Salvation Army, and uh, that's being faithful with your money in that everything we do, we wake up in the morning, let's be honest, let's be trustworthy, uh, let's be tithing, and that manifests our faithfulness. Now today, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, so let's find it there. We're going to be together in this for a few minutes. Those of you who know the New Testament by terminology would know that Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are what's known as the Olivet Discourse. Olivet because it was actually recorded, Jesus spoke it on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is a very Large, a mountainous type of hill, close next to uh, Jerusalem. It's not that it was some mountain in the middle of the Himalayas or something, but it's just right there by Jerusalem. As you might imagine, lots of olive trees on this uh, particular mount, the Mount of Olives. The subject of the uh, Olivet discourse. The time was the final days of our. Lord's earthly ministry. He meets with His disciples. He sits them down. He begins to speak with them. They're wondering about the end times, and so Jesus lays it out in very clear, unmistakable way. Now, when you go through the, uh, uh, the Olivet Discord, you have to kind of keep your wits about you because, as we know, uh, as you go through the New Testament and it talks about the return of Christ, a lot of the things don't quite match up. And so it seems like one time it's uh, like a thief on the night, and another time there are signs that we're supposed to look for. And so we kind of wonder, what is this? And so we understand, therefore, and anybody who's a, a fundamentalist will tell you that the return of Christ is divided into two parts, the rapture for the church at the beginning of the tribulation. And then the second coming of Christ. The rapture is when he comes for his church. The second coming is when he comes with his church to the earth. And so uh, most of the Olivet Discourse, the first part of it, has to do with that leading up to the rapture. But the great balance of the Olivet Discourse is talking to the people during the tribulation. Now, while it may be to them, that doesn't mean it's not for us Like so much of Scripture was written to the Jews in Babylon, but it's for us. And so this Olivet Discourse is for us, just like it's to the tribulation saints, people who get saved during the tribulation, uh, people like the Jewish nation who a great revival takes place. And so Jesus gives them this wonderful discourse, and he tells them, you've got to be faithful. Hang in there. Just do what you can do. And in the end, there'll be a great reward. And so that's the story. That's the beginning. We've talked uh, if, uh, in chapter 25 about the 10 virgins who weren't prepared, or the, some that were and some that were prepared. Now let's go to verse 14, Matthew 25, verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. If you're taking notes here on your app or uh, if you just write them out, and by the way, the nice thing about having them on the app there, you can just have them as an ongoing reference or you can put them in a little uh, folder and uh, look at them later. But uh, some people get some out of it months and uh, along the way, or some people even have family Bible time with them. So I'd encourage you to at least uh, take a good mental note. So we see, first of all, a man embarked. Who is that man? Well, in this story, this parable, this uh, earthly story. By the way, if Jesus is at the last uh, hours of his earthly ministry and he takes time to tell a story it's not just a fanciful little illustration like my silly joke at the beginning. No, we're talking about something that's real, something that's powerful, something that's needful. And so this story is very important. The man embarked. The absolute owner of everything is Christ. That's who the man is. And it is a far country. And I will tell you, heaven, this, uh, and where uh, our Savior uh, ascended to, our Savior. That is a far country from this old mixed-up world. Wouldn't you agree when you read the Bible? What we see going on right now is a far cry different from what's going on. A man embarked. He leaves. Second of all, we notice a servant employed. It says there in verse number 14, he delivered unto them his goods. These servants, he gave us the goods. Verse 15, he gave one five talents, another two, another one. According to, ev- to everyone, his several ability and took away his journey. And so he gave us the goods and he said, Now I want you to go out there and make a difference. Now let's imagine ourselves. Here he is. These are tribulation saints, basically, Jewish people that have gotten saved during the tribulation. What would Jesus be telling them during this season? He's saying, Look, you've got a few days, you've got a few months. You've got a few years, but whatever the case, during this season, I want you to be faithful. Take the goods that I give you. Now, some might imagine that that's uh, going out and picking up litter. Nothing wrong with picking up litter, but I don't think what Jesus was saying is that the, my main goal in life is to pick up litter. And some churches, it seems like that's just... That's the main thing we got to do is, you know, pick up litter or say nice things. Folks, God wants us to be gospel carriers, and we need to carry the gospel. That's what He's talking about here. He's given us the goods for sure, and He wants us to take that. And it it is our privilege to be in the work of the Lord. Notice what He calls us servants, His own servants. We are servants of the Lord. Sometimes people. Have asked me uh, over the years, uh, "Are you in the full time ministry?" And I would say, "Yes, I'm in full time ministry. Very full time. Uh, Pretty uh, a lot on my plate for sure." But you know, the truth is, anybody who is a Christian is in the full time service. That's really what we're supposed to do, all of us. I mean, we might have a a vocation as a garbage man or a vocation as a, a health worker, but our Avocation is to serve the Lord. And that's what he's saying here. We ought to make sure that we take the goods. Even Paul echoed that. Look at what Paul said about the people of God in 2 Timothy 2:24. The servant of the Lord, here is that term again. We are serving the Lord. What is our goal in life? The chief end of man? To faithfully serve the Lord. That's what glorifies God, to be a servant of the Lord. God says, a servant of the Lord won't strive, must be gentle, etc., cetera. Instead, we are apt to teach. What are we supposed to teach? Verse 25. Are we supposed to teach them good manners? Nothing wrong with that. Are we supposed to teach them about, you know, um, how to have uh, good morals? Nothing wrong with that. But look what it says in verse 25. If that God, peradventure, would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. My goal in life, then, is to serve the Lord... Somehow, some way, so that I might see people repent, repent of their sins, and accept Christ. That's that's what my life is all about. And folks, anybody can serve the Lord if that's what He's wanting us to do. We don't need college. We don't not that it's wrong. Again, but uh, God, we don't need to be able to make sure that our verbs and our nouns match. I rarely do that, but we can still be used to the Lord if we have a heart of love. And if we'll serve the Lord, God can use us. Now, how then can as a servant of the Lord, I hear those wonderful words at the end of my life, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear, don't you? Well, there are four truths to remember. First of all, we must remember that there is a trust that's been committed to us, a trust that's been committed. Verse 14, he called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. You got the goods and I got the goods. Verse 15, and he gave one, five talents. You'd say, are these actual talents like singing or speaking or, you know, no, these are, uh, it's just a Greek word, actually an English word for, uh, the Greek word is mina, M-I-N-A, and, uh, but the word here means money. God has given us the money. (laughs) And not uh, specifically, He's just talking about things that are valuable. And we'll just call that our time and our treasure and our talents, the three T's. And so these talents, uh, in reality talents, the, the skills that He's given us, some people are given five and others two and some one, every man according to their several ability. That's why no Christian should ever think, man, I'm so bored. I don't know what to do with my life. Folks, we are called to be a servant of the Lord. How can I best serve the Lord today? Not what should I do today? Not where should I go today? What, where should I eat today? What, you know, what's this day all about? No, really, that's all figured out for us. No Christian should feel disenfranchised. And I I'm afraid that's one of the sad things that's happened in our state, especially, other states too, some states, but our state especially, that when they have literally shut down the churches, so many people are feeling disenfranchised. Like, what's my purpose and what am I here for? And I remind us, whether we're here or wherever we are, the fact is, I am called. Folks, we need to get that down. He has committed to us. I am called. I'm called to be a pastor. I know that. God certainly called me. But all of us are called to serve the Lord. And we are to work on that and somehow get the goods to people. That's because life is a trust. Life, my time is a trust. My treasure is a trust. The skills, the talents that God's given me, it is a trust from God. If you have a wonderful personality, that's not just given so that you can make people happy. That's given so that we can Somehow get them closer to God, give the gospel to them, and encourage them. That's why God's given us. If you have an ability to write to poems or music, ability to sing, if you have great resources, financial resources, all those are given not to just make sure that I'm secure or that you know we're doing certain things. No, all everything we have is a trust to serve the Lord with. How am I best serving the Lord with my time? Do you have extra time? Then we wake up and say, I wonder what kind of hobby I can do. No, we need to wake up and say, Lord, how can I best serve you today? Not that having a hobby is wrong, because you might reach somebody at the hobby store or somebody in a little group or something, but that whatever I'm up for this morning, Today is a day to serve the Lord. I can invite someone to church. I can pray for somebody. I can I can uh, write a little card. I can give somebody $5 and and uh, say, you know, I want to pay your way to church or something. I just want to do what I can to serve the Lord. And these are valuable talents. That's what he's trying to remind us. They're money. They're valuable. Oh, I'm not worth anything, folks. God is we can't say that what God's given us isn't valuable it is very valuable look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20 oh Timothy Paul said young Timothy keep that which is committed to thy trust what has been committed to us as Christians what is this what are these goods they are the great silver of God's promises it's the wonderful truth of God's Word. It's the laws of God. Folks, that's valuable. It's been placed in my hands. What am I doing with it? Now, some of us just read our Bibles in the morning, and we take that trust, and we don't do anything with it. But God wants us to go out and do something with that. Now, everybody has a different amount of money they've been given, as it were, spiritual money. God says some are given five. Some people have lots of time, other people have lots of resources. Other people have lots of skills. I can tell you as a pastor, uh, when you read some of these great uh, pastors of yesteryear especially, and even, even today, sometimes you read some of their sermons, you're like, oh my goodness, you talk about skills. <laughs> they are brilliant. And uh, you read that and you think, okay, I'm a one-talent person compared to that guy. He is a five-talent. or well, they're a two-talent. But you know what? Some people have more time. Others have more resources. So God just kind of puts things around their time, their talent, their treasure. God puts things around just like he does. That's just kind of the way he does it. So we all have different abilities, but we're all given the same responsibility. And what is that? To take the goods, to take these valuable goods and to do something with it. Now, God doesn't expect the person with one talent to make five. He doesn't expect the person with two to make five. He just expects them to do something with it. And He doesn't expect the person with five to only do one. He expects them, if He gives us extra time, then He wants us to use that extra time for the Lord. If, he, if we have extra skills, then we're supposed to use those skills for the Lord. That's what God is wanting us to do. It's just that I'm faithful with the trust that God's given us. Imagine with me for a moment that you've paid the price and uh, we were talking with some lawyers this week uh, just out and about and they were just really nice people. And, but I realized they're very educated, they had to do a lot of work, they had to pass that bar exam. That's not an easy thing to do. And so these particular lawyers were civil, uh, uh, in the civil world and they worked uh, uh, defending the state of California and other places and so we talked with them. But now they have a responsibility. Let's imagine for a minute that you and I have, we've passed all our exams. We've, we're lawyers. We're we're attorneys. And so let's say we're an estate attorney, all right? And so every estate, ha- typically, if any type of estate at all, has a trust. And so, and by the way, you should make sure that all your things are settled. And, and so you have a trust, whether it be now some trusts are ten thousand dollars. You know, by the time you get everything and do everything, and you know, you sell this, you buy this, and you have a ten thousand dollar trust. Some people have a million dollar trust. Some people have multiplied millions. Now, if I'm a lawyer and I have somebody, I'm their estate lawyer, and they they have they have a, they have entrusted to me the responsibility to uh, to make sure that everything's done right and. So, now, if I've got an estate worth 10000 or whether that estate's worth a million or $10 million, it really doesn't make any difference. I am to be faithful to, to do what I'm supposed to do, to do my job. It is a trust that's been given to me. I mean, we just don't hire anybody. We hire somebody who is a servant, someone who... Uh, and that's what God has hired us, and He is saying, you know what, whatever the trust is, if I give you... A thousand dollars or ten thousand or a hundred thousand or a million, whatever the case is, just be faithful and that 's what he 's reminding us to do that there is a trust that's been committed to us number two, and that is that there is a trust to be advanced. not only it's committed but we're going to give an account so Let's make sure we do something what we've been given. Look at verse 19. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them five other talents. Man, good job. And likewise, verse 17, he that received the two also gained two. Now notice, didn't waste any time. As soon as he received the trust, let's go get busy. People, some people I know are getting ready to get ready to get ready. I mean, they don't ever do anything, you know. What do you do? I'm getting ready. For what? I'm going to do something someday. I'm getting ready. And a year later, I'm still getting ready. Five years later, I'm getting ready. But <laughs> do something. God, There's no time to lose. We're the servants of the Lord. And that's what Jesus was telling these folks during the tribulation period. Look, don't wait a week. Don't wait a year. Do something with your talents now. Do something with your treasures now. Get busy. If you're a homemaker, you know, I mean, boy, aren't we amazed at this new Supreme Court pick that President Trump has uh, uh, selected? My goodness, awesome job. And uh, a mother of seven? I mean, unbelievable. But you know what? She just, you know, I may not be a a mother of seven. I may not be a a mother who's going to be on the Supreme Court. But if I'm just a mom, then the trust you have is important. It may be just one talent, or it may be two, or it may be five. But if I'm a mom, I'm going to be a faithful mom. If I'm a a businessman, that business trip is not just to make more money. That business trip is a missionary journey. And everything I say and everything I do is is a commitment to God. Notice what it says. They went and they traded each one went out and traded. They traded. They did something with that. They made a difference with what they had. You know, today, uh, there's a big move away from the trades, uh, and it's actually in America, there are many uh, trades where you don't even have to go to college, where you can make six figures. It's really an amazing time in our history, and blue-collar workers are really needed, especially, you know, and Heating and air conditioning, and mechanics, and other. I mean, there's just the trades uh, are just uh, uh, an incredible career for many people today, and they need millions of them out there. They can't hardly find qualified tradesmen. But notice what's happening here. These are Christians are to be tradesmen, blue collar, white collar, but tradesmen. We're supposed to trade. Now, what do we have to trade with? Well. Look what it says in Proverbs 3 and verse 13. Here's our merchandise. Wisdom. How happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding? For the merchandise of that is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. God has given us wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the Word of God. It is is truth that's uh, practical. It's it is one, we are to take that wonderful uh, wisdom of God and do something with it, trade with it, be a tradesman. And when we do that, God just blesses us. Have you ever, uh, have you ever gotten a deal on something and they just want to tell everybody about it? Yeah. And sometimes we don't want to tell everybody about it because we're afraid they'll go over there and get all our stuff, you know? But I remember one time I had uh, I had tasted some wonderful guacamole somewhere and I, uh, I got the, the recipe and I just said, man, this is the best stuff. And so I was, uh, for some reason, I must've been telling everybody I met about this guacamole because, uh, I got a text from one of the ladies that just kind of a random person. And they said, pastor, I thought, oh, this lady wants to talk about the Lord. And she said, she said, can you get me that the recipe for that guacamole? And I thought, oh my goodness. But anyway, um, so I gave it to her, you know, and uh, and uh, and a praise the Lord, you know, but uh, but you know what, when you got something that's valuable or something that's wonderful, you just can't help but share it and that's what uh, it's happening here. God said if we we've got the wisdom, let's share it. Number 3, not only a trust committed and a trust advanced, but we must remember that a trust can be neglected. Verse 18. God doesn't just talk all, you know, sugar plums and fairies here. Verse number 18, but he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. By the way, that says it very clearly. It's his Lord's money. It's not his money. You would think now if he only had one talent, he wouldn't have a problem with just one. But isn't it funny how even with just one talent, he just buried that thing. I have always been fascinated by those people that spin plates. That just amazes me. And, uh, you know, they've used it in the business world for I've got too many p- plates spinning, you know, but um, they're spinning plates, you know. I Just because I got to thinking about it this week, I actually looked up what's the world's record for spinning plates, keeping them up simultaneously. Well, it's a world's record that has lasted for over 20 years, I can imagine. This guy had 108 plates spinning all at the same time. And I guess the secret is, you know, they said a little bit of uh, hand-eye coordination and just a constant busyness, I would imagine. So now I just want to say I don't want any kids going home, taking their mom's China and start spinning plates, okay? Don't, well, pastor told me, you know, you got to spin your plate. But the point being, some people can spin 108 plates and some people can't even spin one. That's me. But you know what? God said, whatever you do have, keep it spinning. And there's a guy that only had one plate, but he couldn't keep that one plate spinning. And that's uh, what's a a sad, but we see pattern that often happens. If you have a $100 bill on you, you, there's a picture of a guy in the front. Oh, Ben Franklin. I love that picture. But anyway, especially when it's on a $100 bill. um, Ben Franklin said something I think that you'll uh, understand very clearly. If you want something done, ask a busy person. If you want something done, ask a busy person. Now, why is that so often the case? Why why are busy people often so reliable? They've actually taken um, statistics in America for volunteerism, and they have found that people without jobs volunteer less in service organizations and people with jobs. They found that people with children volunteer more than people without children. It's a strange thing. But the fact I'm trying to say here is that, that even though you have, he only had one plate spinning, only one talent, well, we ought to be busy with just that one. But just because we only have one doesn't mean we can't mess it up because it says he hid the talent. Now, it doesn't say he was immoral with his money. It doesn't say he embezzled the money. It doesn't say he squandered the money. He just hid it. The resources, his time, he just hid it. His talents, he just hid it. And he just didn't do what he's supposed to do. And I remind us all that that will come back on us. Look what it says in James 5 and verse 3 your gold, your silver, that is your time, your talent, your treasures are cankered. They all rusted, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. Folks, when we could have done more with the talents God given us, when we could have done more with the treasures, the time, it's going to come back. Because these are God's, and we shouldn't ever say God, I don't, you know, I don't want you messing with my time. I don't want you messing with my talents. I don't want you messing with my lifestyle. You know, I'm just here to exist and I got things I got to do, but God says, no. Your life is about being a faithful servant. One of the well known uh, evangelical leaders in America is a man by the name of Dr. Elmer Towns. Dr. Elmer Towns has written lots of books, and especially if you're in the uh, ministry, you'd know anything, you'd certainly know about Elmer Towns. He also was a professor, maybe a professor at Liberty University. And uh, he has a famous uh, story. And the story is called Who Owns Your French Fries? And I'll tell it to you. The story is about a father who took his son, who he uh, loved and he cared for his son, and he took him to McDonald's. And he, uh, he took him there. He uh, walked him inside, he uh, paid for his french fries, they sat down there, and the father was uh, proud of his son, he had, he had taken all that time, he had paid for everything, he sits there talking to his son, and then while they're talking, he reaches over and grabs one of his son's french fries. And his son slapped his hand and said, those are my french fries. And uh, how ungrateful! That would be, and the idea is, who owns your French fries? God has given us everything we have. He's given us our time, our talent, our treasures. And then when we say, oh, no, I can't go to church on Sunday, that's my time to go golfing, or that's my time to you know, go out with my horse, or that's my time to go on vacation. Hey, folks, that's God's French fry, and God bought that. And we ought to say, God, if you want my French fries, they're yours, they're yours. That is a trust to be used for God, not to be hoarded. A trust committed, a trust advanced, a trust neglected, and finally, this morning, a trust to be accounted for. Well, here we are. We're going along. And so, as Christians, we wake up every day and everything's good, you know. Uh, how's it going with you? Oh, same old, same old. I remind all of us. That though it may seem like same-o, same-o, I promise you it's not, because God is watching. God is watching what we do with our time. He's watching what we do with our treasure. He's watching what we do with the skills that we have. He's watching. Now, we may think, oh, same-o, same-o. I promise you it's not same-o, same because God is watching. That's what the story is all about. Hey, what are you doing with the talents I've given you? Now, you may think that I'm not paying attention, but I am. Look at verse 19. After a long time. That's part of the problem. It's been a long time. Eh, God must not know what's going on. I promise you, God knows. After a long time, the Lord of these servants comes and reckons. It's reckoning time. It's reckoning time. It We'll call, and God wants us to be faithful with what He wants us to do. It just means to make a difference because we're going to make, we are going to face an eternal judge. Somehow, some way, even if it's small, make a difference someplace. I read this week about a certain variety of Chinese bamboo. This bamboo tree is incredible because really it does absolutely nothing or so it seems, for four years. It's a bamboo. Bamboo typically grow pretty fast, but this particular variety doesn't do anything for four years. It just is there, small, little. And then suddenly, in the fifth year, it will shoot up 90 feet in 60 days. It sits there just absolutely just Uh, You can't even see anything. And then when it's time, it just goes like that. And I've noticed about the way life is, sometimes it seems like the efforts that we're putting into the gospel, the efforts that we're getting, you know, in these children, or the efforts we're putting into whatever we're doing, it just seems like it's so small. But I remind you that when it's time, that thing can just shoot off. That thing can be, you may be a one talent and all of a sudden get five back. And Scripture tells us that that's exactly what happens. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, the great prophet Zechariah was dealing with people who were really uh, dissatisfied, even disgruntled. They hated this new temple. I mean, all the sacrifice and this beautiful new temple called Zerubbabel's temple replaced uh, Solomon's. And uh, some people were shouting and other people were weeping at the same time. And Zechariah reminded the people, look, stop, quit your belly aching. Because I know it's not a Solomon's temple, but don't despise the day of small beginnings. And I will tell you, uh, don't count out what people are doing. This church, twenty years ago, we were in a warehouse and we were in a little place in North Stockton, and we faithfully did the best we could. And I don't know if anybody did any more work in a little out of a little uh, suite in a warehouse than the Home Church Bible Baptist did. I mean, it was amazing. And then 20 years ago, the Lord provided a way for us to get this property. And so we started. And uh, we got some guy to come out. He volunteered his old tractor. And he was traveling along. And he got it all kind of plowed up and drove off and said, there you go. Well, I'll tell you one thing. A plowed up field is not much good. I mean, maybe the weeds were down. but So what did we do? We got a church bus. One of the church buses just till recently, we, and uh, we strapped a big old board on the back and drugged that thing around this 13 acres and made this just as smooth as you could be. In fact, it was such a sight and took about a whole week for it to do. The bus went about 12 hours a day, but uh, even the newspaper came out and took a picture of these crazy people. I mean, most people use tractors, but this church is uh, leveling their ground with a church bus. Well, folks, we didn't have any money, and we weren't going to go into debt. And so, and then after we did that, we put up a little structure on the other side of this uh, building here, and uh, it was a terrible tacky looking structure in fact it was so bad people call it a fruit stand there's the church with the fruit stand out there you know but it wasn't a fruit stand we we needed a place to get out of the sun you know when we were working and oh I'll tell you it was a day of small beginnings but uh, in just a couple of weeks here we are going to be moving into a big beautiful multi-million dollar 750 seat auditorium a five star church and uh, a, st- uh, a small beginning but bless God, I'll tell you something. In the days and the months and the years to come, thousands of people are going to hear the gospel of Jesus and the faithfulness of God. And I'm telling you, you just wait. Woo! It's going to be fun. We uh, we're going to have a beautiful service that first dedication day. And uh, just we're not going. To, I'm not going to let all of it out of the bag right now. But it's going to be good. Romans 14, verse 10 says, We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and everyone shall give account. Well, I don't, you know, I'm just same old, same old. Well, you may think it's same old, same old, but I promise you, you and I are gonna give an account. You may say, well, probably not me. I know you've heard the old story about this preacher. Boy, he got fired up in his sermon he spit and he hollered and he thundered. Every member of this church is a sinner and you're going to give account to God. And for extra emphasis, he yelled the same thing again. Well, as he was yelling about this, one of the men on the back road just got a big old grin on his face and that zealous pastor thought he hadn't gotten through. So he cranked up the volume and he bellowed, I'm telling you, each and every member of this church is a sinner. And of all things, that guy just got more, bigger. I mean, he couldn't even see his face. He was smiling so big. Finally, the preacher decided he'd try a more direct approach. And he said, Mr., you on the back row, I said, every member of this church is a sinner. Didn't you hear me, man? And the man laughed out loud and he said, I'm not a member of this church. <laughs> you know what? We may think, well, I'm not a member, so I'm not going to be judged. The Bible says, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I remind us, it's the judgment seat of Christ. First of all, there is a good account in this passage of faithful servants. Faithful people have something to show for their opportunities. Verse 20, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I gained beside them five talents more. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And he that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. ah, uh, nothing could be, be more beautiful than that. Facing Jesus and having him say, well done. Can you remember back in your growing up, somebody that you really admired that said, good job? Somebody believed in you, maybe a teacher, maybe a parent, maybe an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent, maybe a neighbor, somebody who just believed in you. I mean, their smile meant more than anything, and to this day, I bet if I, we could talk for a few moments, you'd be able to, just like that. I, I can remember so-and-so. There were several in my life, but one of them was Mr. AG. Mr. Agee is my sixth grade teacher. My dad had started a church in San Jose, and when I was in third grade, and it was kind of hard moving around as often as we did, and, and uh, always having to pick up, meet new friends, and it seemed like it took a little while for me to make friends but there in my sixth grade year, boy, everything came together. And for whatever reason, boy, it was just, it was a great year. One of the things they were doing over there was progressive education. They let you uh, learn at your own speed. Boy, I just ate that up for some reason. And uh, Mr. Agee was uh, the teacher. And uh, it, boy, I just loved it over there in San Jose. Uh, I forget the name of the school now. It was over there in East San Jose. And boy, it was just awesome. And uh, I became the president of the class. And, you know, uh, I mean, it was just, everything was going my way. But, for I knew that Mr. A.G. had my back. I knew that I was his star person. you know, I mean at least I felt like that. There are probably others that felt the same way, but for whatever reason, Mr. A.G. just I had that when I looked at him, I knew he was thinking, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if we can feel that from some human boy, how would it be to find Jesus? He's better than Mr. Agey. Now, notice what it says that God rewards the faithful in two ways. First of all, they'll be ruler of many things. He'd say, "Well, man, I don't want to rule. That sounds rough." Well, and let me just tell you what that means. That's talking about receiving a crown. God has crowns in Scripture. If if you've read the New Testament at all, you know you've read different ones. There are actually five different crowns listed in Scripture: the incorruptible crown, the righteous crown. The crown for of rejoicing, the crown of glory, and the crown of life. These crowns, you'd say, well, am I going to walk around with this crown on my head? If you ever go to London, you might have the privilege of going there to the Tower of London or whatever it is. I get them mixed up, but there's a place where the crown jewels are, and those men in those funny-looking outfits called beef eaters are walking around, you know. And uh, now, it, is the crown that I'm going to get this? beautiful thing that I sit on my head and I was a commoner and I've been placed into the bloodline of the, you know, the English hierarchy. No, the crown that we receive is something that we can actually give back to God. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 4 when we have the, you may recall that, where the elders fall down before Jesus' throne and it says they take their crown and they lay it at the feet of Jesus. And so why would I want a crown? Because it's something I can give back to the Lord in that day. God rewards the faithful by being a ruler, and number two, by entering into the joy of the Lord, verse 21. Entering into the joy of the Lord. Now, folks, I've been happy, and then there are times when I've been happy, happy, and then there's times when I've been so happy I can't even contain it. There have been times when you're just dancing around happy, I mean, just like, this is so good. And those moments are not when I eat a good hamburger or something good happens. Those times are when you just feel the joy of the Lord. Have you ever met somebody that, had a, that just got born again and they are so excited about the Lord? They're just full of the joy of the Lord. Well, that's what God says is going to happen. You're going to have the purest joy that you've ever had. Indescribable waves of love. What kind of joy? Look at this verse. It's going to sound strange, but Hebrews 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who what? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. God says the joy that you're going to receive is this joy that's indescribable because it's out of this world. It is the sense that you're doing something for God, that you did something for God. You gave up your life so that others could be saved. That's the kind of joy that was set before our Savior. And as a result of that, God pours out His favor. Psalm 101 verse 6, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. Verse twenty, or Chapter 28 verse 20 of Proverbs, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, abounding with blessings that you just can't even describe. That's what awaits us in heaven when the kids were all growing up. And after, occasionally, uh, we would go to uh, the buffet. uh, I don't know what it's called over there on March Lane. Uh, But uh, we would go over there. And I've been there for years. But uh, it was a great place for kids. It was back when it wasn't too expensive. And so... uh, if they all worked hard with their schoolwork, if they, you know, got all the chores done, and they've been such good kids, I'd say we're going to the truck wagon. We'll forget what it's called, but anyway, we'd go over there to the buffet, and we'd drive in there, and we'd go over there. Man, I, I just, I'm not a big buffet eater, but, um, but for them, they just loved it. I mean, just piles of food, and. Uh, And then dessert. Every kind of a dessert you could ever imagine. And so uh, they'll tell you this is what I would do. And uh, I see some of them grinning right now. And so uh, we'd go there. I'd say, all right, here's the deal. Don't eat too much good food. What? Save your stomach because every one of you must eat at least four desserts. (laughs) They just look at me like... That's not right, Dad. That's that is not a parent thing to say. That I, 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 you're not supposed to say that to your child, and uh, I did. You know, just be careful! Don't eat all these green stuff. You know, don't eat that. Wait, because I want you've got to eat at least four desserts. And uh, poor Abigail, our youngest, she was always so little, and. Uh, She said that stressed her out because I told her she had to eat so many desserts. Dad, I can't eat so many. uh, (laughs) Folks, heaven's going to be just like that. You're going to go to heaven, and God's going to say, you don't have to have kale. You can have all the desserts you want right here. You get to be with me. Heaven, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. But you got to do your work first. (laughs) got to do what you're supposed to do, and then I promise you it's going to be so good. A good account of the faithful. Finally, a bad account of the unfaithful. Verse 24, "'Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou wert a hard man.'" Oh, really? You knew that God was a hard man. Hmm, strange how you knew that. First of all, that's unbiblical. That's just stupid. God is not a hard man reaping where you were not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid of you, God. That's why I am such a beautiful person today, because I'm afraid of God. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast all that is thine. I I never was against the Bible. I was never against church. I was never against God. I just did nothing. And notice what God said. By the way, it says he hid it in the earth. If we want to spiritualize it, that's exactly what happens. We we hide our time and our talent and our treasures often in this world. We're hidden in the world. What are you doing with your time? It's in the world. What are you doing with your treasure? It's in the world. What are you doing with your talents? It's in the world. I hid it in the world instead of it investing it in the work of God. And then he had this wonderful human logic. I couldn't do it because had I tried, I know what a hard guy you are. You probably would have said, you lost my talent. You didn't do what you are supposed to do. Basic, And then he... He comes off with this crazy doctrine, kind of like Adam did back in the Garden of Eden. Well, if you want to be honest about it, God, um, I probably wouldn't have sinned, but it was the woman that thou gave me. Oh, really? It's God's fault that you sinned. Got it, Adam. Got it. Good job. Smart really smart human. And that's what God says is going to happen to some people. We're going to stand before God with our excuses. Well, here's why I didn't bless the Lord's work with my resources. Here's why I didn't invest my time in the gospel. Here's why I didn't go to church and serve God. Here's why I didn't do what's right. Here's why I did whatever. Notice what the Lord, the Lord just doesn't cut any... You know, any slack, he just gets right through the thick of it. Verse 26, and the Lord said unto him, you are a wicked and slothful servant. Boy, now we don't normally put those two together, but he did. He said, you are lazy and you are wicked, evil, just evil. If it was true what you said, which it's not, but if it was true, look what it said. If you knew that I reap where I didn't sow, and I gather where I have not strawed, then all the more you would have put your money to the exchanger. If you knew I was so hard and I wanted return on my investment, then you would have done more with it. No, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. It's nothing but an excuse, a wicked excuse. And my friend, I gave you this as a trust. You're not supposed to just enjoy your time because it's your time. It's not we're supposed to enjoy our little energies and our time because it's, it's what I have. And I'm glad you have a great bank account, but it's not for you. It's what can I do with the gospel? That's gospel. It doesn't mean we have to give it all away to some missions. It just means whatever I have is for your honor and glory. The chief end of man is to faithfully serve the Lord with gladness. And I want to serve him with my money. I want to serve him with my time. I just want to serve Him. I close with this wonderful reminder. I was thinking about it this week, and being a pastor for four decades now, I've had the privilege, not a fun one always, but a a privilege of having many, many funerals, memorial services, coronation services, whatever we want to call them, just times of memories. Some have been sad, tragic, small. Some have been beside a graveside in the middle of winter, rain pouring down, a baby, just some tragic times. But then there's been some glorious, beautiful times when we've met together in a church. And by the way, I just remind you, when you get ready to make your arrangements, have your services in a church. That's the best place. Don't have them in a funeral home there. Have them in church. uh, It's awesome. But anyway, we've had wonderful funeral services, memorial services in church. And some, you know, uh, this, it's a glorious time. But one of the best was a faithful man of God who surprisingly had a huge impact. The footprint of his life was so much greater than you would imagine. His name was Albert Fine. Albert Fine was from... Texas, and when I mean Texas, he was from Country Texas. He was way out there. Well, I don't know where he was raised, but it was way out somewhere. And he never lost his uh, Texas brogue for sure. He always wore Western clothing, and he uh, became a bus driver for our church. And uh, he was Mister Faithful. Never an unkind word. When he w- he was always there. I mean, he was faithful. I mean, you could you could absolutely just set your clock by this guy. If he said he'd be there at eight o'clock for the buck, he was there. I mean, this guy, and when, when he had to be out of town, which he did several times, and he would, uh, he would send his tithe back, and he never had a lot of money. His job was a, he would collect tires from, from car dealers, or from tire dealers, and then sell them. He, they were used tires. You he, probably, if you've been around the area for thirty or forty years, you've probably seen an old pickup truck with all kinds of loaded up tires. And it might have been Albert Fine, and he never had a lot of money. But even with the little he had, we would get a envelope in the office. <laughs> Asked Pauline, we'd get an envelope. mean, it'd all be all crumpled up, and never, never a check. Always cash. But I mean, if he made hundred dollars. I'd be ten in that thing. He made a thousand, there'd be a hundred. I mean, he just, and he can give above that, but I mean, I mean, for sure he was faith, faithful at time, faithful as money. He was a faithful man of God. At his funeral service, this place was just full. Person after person stood up and just said, I just got to tell you about Albert Fine. And said, so that's the guy, he just blessed my heart. And he did. I, I am here today because Albert Fine, he was just such a faithful man. I mean, he touched dozens and dozens of lives. And you would never think so. Very quiet, very humble, very unassuming. But he had one quality that we can all aspire to. He was faithful. Just faithful. And my friend, as we end this message, this series what else really is there in life? I mean, what else are we going to do? Let's just be faithful. Let's be faithful. And then one day when we stand before the Lord, he will say, well done. I hope that your wife is faithful, but if she's not, you're going to be faithful. I hope your husband is faithful, but if he's not, you're going to be faithful. I hope your parents are faithful, but if they're not, I'm going to be faithful. Where are you going to be five years from now? I'm going to be serving the Lord. Where are you going to be 10 years from now? Sometimes people say, well, I'll give it a try for a bit. We don't, you don't give God a try. I am going to be faithful. I'm just going to be faithful. And I want to say thank you to this faithful church. Even your attendance here just lets me know in a season where there's so many headwinds against faithfully serving God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your serving. And I just know that the Lord tarries, and if we're here five years, you're going to be here. Ten years, you're going to be here. Twenty? Faithful. Faithful. And someday when we have your memorial service or mine, may someone say of me, he was faithful. He was a faithful man of God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Faithful. I want to be a faithful husband. I want to be a faithful wife. I want to be a faithful parent. I want to be a faithful son or daughter. I want to be a faithful businessman. I want to be a faithful servant of God. I just want to be faithful. I may, not have a, I may not be a five-talent person or even a two-talent person, but that one talent I have, whatever time, whatever talent, whatever treasures, I want to make sure that I'm faithful with it. And so here's how I'd like to end this series on faithfulness. It's been such a blessing just to study it and think about it over the time. I want to just commit from this day forward, again, afresh and anew, Lord, I just need your strength to be a faithful person. I purpose today to be faithful. Faithful in my Bible, faithful in my prayers, faithful in giving out the gospel, whether it's a tract, whether it's just a good word for the Lord, but that my life is about somehow Just putting the gospel forward, pushing forward, God. That's what I want to do. Those are the goods I've been given. It's a trust. My life is a trust. Faithful. Right where you're sitting, would you just right there just make that commitment? Lord, with your strength, I purpose to be faithful. Faithful to the word of God. Faithful to the name of God. Faithful to the duties and to the privileges you've given me. I purpose to be faithful. Praise God. And for those of you that are listening this morning online, God bless you. I love you. And we all love you here. And I trust you're faithful. You'd say, well, I'm not even sure I'm even a Christian. Well, praise God, you can know. Pray this prayer. Right where you're sitting there, wherever you are, pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a lost sinner. And I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you right now, Jesus, to wash away every sin I've ever committed and come into my life. Praise God. Do that right now. And then you too, would you say those prayers, those words? I purpose to be faithful. Whether it's a year, five years, or 10, we're going to give a count. And will we be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want. We're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to sing this chorus that you can sing it with us, but uh, let's all stand if you would. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd bless each that are here this morning. Lord, I have purpose to be faithful, and Lord, I need your strength and grace to do so, and I'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this this morning, and if you want to come here and just kneel as a way to just end off this time and say, Lord, I want to be faithful, Lord. Find us faithful. Find us faithful, Lord. May the of yes. our devotion hide their way. Yes, Lord. I want to be faithful, Lord. May the footprints that we leave yes, Lord. lead them to, to believe. believe. Yes, Lord. And the lives we live inspire in them, them to obey. Yes. Find us faithful, Lord. Or may all who come behind find us find us, us faithful. Oh, sing it with us. I want to be faithful. All who come yes, Lord. Us yes. Find us faithful Lord. to the Lord. Faithful May to the, the Lord. Of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave. Yes. Lead yes. them to believe. And, and the lives we live, inspire them, them to obey. May all yes. come behind us yes. us faithful. Our heads are bowed. We're going to sing that again, but I just want to say thank you again to each one here. Thank you for your faithfulness. Those of you that are faithful online, God bless each of you. What a blessing. Bless you. Faithful. Lord, I'll be faithful. By your grace, I'll do what I can. Lord, I want to be faithful. I want to make a difference. I'll be faithful.